He was of mighty stature, his ruddy arms were vigorous and vital, and his long braided beard was ashen and tattered. With a resounding grunt he fell back onto the earth, worn and weathered, beaten down by the onslaught that had come before. A large raging bonfire was roaring in front of him, and in between the wailing flames and ash-filled smoke, decrepit elven froas, nearly all but cinders. You are right to be exhausted, came the voice of a man. Even a hearty dwarf like yourself must feel the torment of war. He silently nodded, not feeling in the mood for conversation. Do not be shy, the man continued. We are all brothers and sisters under the black flag. I mean you no harm, nor do I bear any resentment toward your people. I would not blame you if you did, the dwarf spoke at last. Even I hold my grievances toward the dwarves. Oh? The man leaned forward, his eyes orange in the firelight, his skin swarthy and sallow. Indeed, he laughed to himself in amusement. We are not the easiest folk to get along with, not even amongst ourselves. We are as stubborn as the obstinate Aule, and that is saying something. <laughs> and I would not blame you, said the man. For Middle-earth is a tumultuous land. From birth to elderhood, riven within our souls are lies rampant and dark. The world is too cruel to adhere without apprehension. You speak too wise for a man. <laughs> Maybe I should take offense to that. He grinned. But that belief is perhaps even more firmly fixed within me than you. My kindred are too obtuse and far from wise. They are blind to the betterment of their own selves. Thank you for believing me otherwise. I may not deserve it, but it is a warm welcome all the same. Might I ask where you are from? My home is far from here, the man explained. Eastwards a great way, beyond the Sea of Ru. Even our people are still timid, still blinded. But at the very least, we excel the man-scum of the West. Those who call home Rovanian and Kalanadhan. If your prowess is any sign, then I believe you, the dwarf commended. And where are you from, dwarf? I do not have a home, the dwarf sighed. But my forefathers, they dwelt in Nogrod. Two in the east. Though long ago, before my earliest years, tragedy befell them. Many, like pilgrims, journeyed west in the aftermath, now calling the revered Kaladum home. But my forefathers, like myself now, were repelled by its neighbors. The elves. The man spoke for him. That we share in common. So it would seem... Everyone from my forefathers to me have become vagabonds, unwilling to dwell in Khazadum, repulsed by the remnants of Nogrod. And then one day came a fair and cloaked rider upon the rolling hills. He proclaimed himself to be the emissary of Mordor. There he promised bounties beyond our beliefs, only for our aid in return. 
and what else but fighting the elven scum of Eriador? There was no debate in the decision. And I hope the best shall come of it. The man lowered his head closer to the fire, gazing intently as if seeing his past within its embers. My people, the kindred of Ru, are strong, vigilant, and brave. But as I have said, they wield a heavy hand. They are blinded. They do not see. They do not understand the greatness, the power that I see in Rune. They bow before the tyranny of tranquility and cower from the clutch of command. They... He suddenly stopped and sighed, bowing his head to the ground. (sighs) I am sorry. The worries of Rune are not your affair. I understand the agony of aspiration, the dwarf comforted, and the anguish of negligence. You are not alone. Thank you, friend. The man smiled weakly. Nevertheless, here our tales are similar. For a great rider came upon our land, the emissary of Mordor. As did you, I had no apprehension at the thought of warring and assailing the elves. But too did he promise us the greatest of gifts. Get up! A wretched and foul voice interjected. A large, ghastly Uruk approached them and spat upon the ground. Who do you think you are? Speaking of bounties and gifts, you are merely maggots to the Lord. And once this war is done, you should be merely slaves. Get up now. The fire is for his children. You may skulk in the dark. The dwarf slowly began to clamber to his feet, but the man thwarted him. We have every right to be here as you. We are not looking for trouble. The orc laughed mockingly. You truly believe the master cares for you? You are nothing but scum. The sudden commotion had alerted a multitude of orcs nearby, and at once a throng surrounded the conversers. No, he does not, the man agreed. But without our levyment, this war cannot be won. And I say that truthfully. I have observed your fighting. Who does this low man think he is? The orc snorted to his companions. There is nothing in this war for you. Empty promises alone. Only the children of our lord shall have a home in Mordor. If your lord's promises are not to be trusted, then why do you follow them so faithfully? Alas, your reasoning for that shall be as malleable as your first. Look, I seek no accommodation, not from the likes of you at least. Nor does my friend here. Now, leave us be. The demand only amplified the anger of the now horde who surrounded them, and some now wielded cleavers and swords, approaching them intent on beginning a brawl. The man now jumped to his feet, and from a sheath he revealed a great and tall blade. Come no further, he commanded. None of you need be hurt. 
The dwarf now joined him in a dance of a combative stance, standing back to back. The threat, of course, was not considered, and the host of orcs now closed in upon them. Suddenly, as rapid as lightning and as enduring as thunder, the man's blade was brandished and flourished. Cries of anguish and torment wailed, and the lifeless bodies of the orcs fell flat upon the ground. The onlookers stepped back in bewilderment and fear, and yet their anger outweighed their reason. In turn, they took their blades and advanced upon the dwarf and man, but now in vengeance. Suddenly, just as the skirmish nearly lashed again, a low yet unyielding rumble sounded. The air around them grew black, and a dark aura was conjured. The bonfire waned to embers. A great and towering figure overcame them, surrounded by a shadow untempered, unassuaged, and from it sprung an unbearable voice of malice and magnitude, and foul words of the black speech were uttered, drowning out any and all thought. And then as quickly as it was conjured, it dissipated, leaving the brawlers baffled and bewildered, and a silence came upon them. The tassel was disbanded out of a looming fear that outstayed the presence of Sauron. "'Thank you,' said the dwarf, returning to a seat around the fire. "'Orcs are just as foul as elves,' the man spat and looked upon the bodies of his foes. "'They were not worth the commotion.' "'I have never witnessed someone wield a blade so keenly,' the dwarf praised. "'I am mystified, truly. I must thank you again. I could not have fared them alone.' However, I do not know who to owe my thanks. We have gone this far without proper acquaintance. My name is Kamar. What is yours? The man returned his gaze to the bonfire, ablaze again in the absence of the abhorred. Kamul. My name is Kamul. The words inscribed upon the ring manifested a voice. It was similar to Sauron, carrying a likeness to the whispers that Morgoth delivered to his mind from the throne of Sangoradrim in days before the great breaking. Ashnask Kimbatul. They took his thoughts through the unseen world, past the watchful eyes of elven mages wary of his hordes, seeking in the ancient halls of Eregion the source of the ones that heard the call of his one ring. Ashnask. 
His fingers twitched upon the iron crown, restless to adorn themselves with those he thought of as lesser to the one. He knew he wanted them upon other hands to serve his intent, but his own he could not wish away from, overcome with a desire to feed them with the power that he had prepared for channeling. He groped the shadows of his tent, his bare fingertips polishing the golden band that was bound to his will. The aspect of himself that now resided solely within its confines was in need of subjects, and he, Myron and Gorthaur both to it, was unflinching in his determination to make it do his bidding while it tightened its grip around him. The master he had left behind had worn the creations of another with pride, coveting the light that was forbidden for his kind to behold. He, unlike Morgoth, had a thing of beauty that emerged from himself, the one that he could call his own, far more precious than the Silmarils that were lost to the throes of time, and it was his destiny encompassed within the seamless curves that he had sculpted to perfection. For moments he thought of the geysers at the heart of Orodruin, and he remembered who he was before its fashioning. But every attempt to peer farther into his past brought from within a violent eruption that consumed the many characters he had reanimated into purpose, culminating in the shedding of his pursuits within to focus, once more, upon the warpath that lay ahead, leading him to Celebrimbor and the rings that he held, defiant in the face of certain death that Sauron alone had reserved to be delivered. Out of respect for helping him reach the moment of creation, he now hailed as the most momentous since the first trumpets of Eru Iluvatar himself. The sound of a great battering ram sounded at the bolstered gate of Eregion. The sky grew dark around the fiercely defended hold, and cries rose and waned. Scattered wails and declarations of the name the great battering ram carried. Grimthrak! 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 Celebrimbor held forth between his own soldiery and the violently shaken gate, his fear shrouded by a demeanor of determination swelled by hatred. He wielded a long blade in his left hand, his own forgery, and looked to the crumbling defense. One fell blow after another came, and yet the great gate endured, but its vanity was waning, and its protection diminishing. Came another strike. The door at last buckled, and streaming through its heart came the great battering ram. You mustn't cower, Celebrimbor pleaded as the earnest elves of Erechian faltered. They do not yet know whose vigilance they test, nor do they understand the consequence of conquest. On this morn we shall fight, not only for Erechian herself, but of that she defends to the west, for the westlands of Eriador, and the High King... The gate swung violently forwards, giving way to the girth of the host of Sauron. In defiance and defense, the elves raised their shields, and forwards they brandished long, jagged spears of steel. But before them, instead of the Uruks and trolls their minds had conceived, was a great chariot, absent a charioteer. Instead, mounted in a great heap upon it, were the dead carcasses of the host of Eregion, the company of Celeborn and Galadriel, decayed and decrepit, some almost ash. The aura of anguish amplified the audience of the affliction, the chariot a harbinger of despair, but their mourning was short-lived, for from beyond the chariot arose a great silhouette, as tall as the wall it came to, its black armor entwined with a wreathing fire, and two lidless eyes looked from beyond its black mask. Springing from its daunting deathly figure came a foul and cruel tongue. Galadriel and Celeborn are dead. Sauron paused, soaking in the serenity of the audible agony of the elves. 
Within them was a foolish hope, and on the blood-ridden fields they were met with a tormenting torture at the hands of my children. This is the price of defiance, Celebrimbor, grandson of Feanor. And you have paid it. Because of your selfish desires, your desired beloved was beaten and brandished, and now is dead. The rings are mine alone, and you defied that truth. Now the same fate lies upon Eregion, but just one gift for the Lord of Gifts can stay my hand. Sixteen rings, and sixteen rings alone. A deafening silence followed. Then, in a solemn declaration, Celebrimbor's voice called out, Sixteen rings! and sixteen rings alone shall remain in the stronghold of their keeping. Their radiance shall never radiate upon the malice of the servant of Morgoth, forever spared from your tyranny. I command you come no further, or recompense shall come for the repose of Celeborn's company. You know well the potential within the forges of the smithery of Oregion, but your orcs needn't have to. Suddenly the wreathing flame entwined amid Sauron's figure stirred, and a blaze it grew into an inferno. A great black warhammer rose from its depth, and a roaring rumble sounded from within. The ground shook in answer. Celebrimbor stumbled backwards in fear, looking up at the chaotic clamoring of cruelty and anger. The sky grew dark, covered in an ashen gray, the air swelling with a burning haze, and war horns sounded. The form of Sauron then burst asunder, fragmenting the gate, giving way to the assault of his assailing. As the host of Sauron poured through the breach, streaking boulders alight with fire streamed overhead and fell down upon the city. Steeples, towers, and forges fell in their wake. The remnants of their renown collapsed upon the earth. The elves now laid their eyes upon the charging militia, but yet again no orc or troll was seen, but hundreds upon hundreds of dwarves and men. With a great shattering force, the assaulting army met the inflanking defenders. Hold your ground! Celebrimbor yelled desperately. Do not give in! The armies were locked in a grueling engagement. Swords were brandished, spears were wielded, and many fell upon this theater of battle. The onslaught of the Eruhin and the carnage of the children of Iluvatar ensued. Dwarves, men, and elves united in mounds of corpses scattered across the bloodied stone path that led from the gate to the house of the Myrdain. Celebrimbor raised his sword, hammering it down upon the helm of a dwarven man, rendering him torpid, joining his brethren around him in death. Left and right he then swung, two men falling in answer. Despite this, the flank of the elves dwindled even further, and an array of men and dwarves now surrounded the smith. He raised his silver shield, a tattered green mantle upon it, and fiercely fared them, but too many now swarmed his froa, and he cowered down to his knees. But then amid his dismay... A great roar sounded, and through the gate clamored a great troll with a cruel iron helm. An immense mace he bore in his right hand, and either side of him he swung with the might instilled by Morgoth to his kind long ago. All in his wake felt the wrath of his armament, lifeless bodies being flung in every direction. The vigor of the defending flank had lessened far too great, and Celebrimbor, stammering for breath, yelled, Fall back! Retreat to the house of Myrdain! Chaos ensued. Turning their backs to the enclosing engagement, the elves in turmoil withdrew from the courtyard before the gate, ascending the once august stairway, and through the ruined edifices of Ostinedil. Arrows rained down upon their retreat, and many of them succumbed to the wrath brought upon their city. 
Behind them, they secured the gate to the inner wall, but Grimthrak answered its call, and the swarming servants of Sauron soon overwhelmed the breach and pursued the host of Eregion further into the heart of the corrupted capital. A spiraling staircase ascended along the towering and wide-spanning house of the Myrdain. Not but ten foot was the path's width, and the orcs, men, and dwarves culminated into a combined waging wrath of force, and routed the Myrdain further skyward, until at last they were confined behind the great iron doors of the house of Myrdain, protecting the esteemed forges, and now their forgers behind them. The thunderous roar of Grimthak returned. Celebrimbor came to the front of his soldiery and looked upon the door with the height of his determined demeanor. Celebrimbor braces Froa and his Fea, swallowing the fear that loomed over the house of the Myrdain. As the iron doors began to buckle, he raised his steel and shield. The sound of the battering ram suddenly stopped, and then, cutting through the yells and curses of the orcs, a low and piercing horn sounded, one familiar and carrying buoyant aura, the great horns of Khazad-dûm. Without hesitancy or uncertainty, the smith guided one of the Gwythi Myrdain to the far reaches of the forge, and to her he pleaded, You must do one last thing for me. Long have I guided you in practices of my own, but now a region has been laid waste, and soon there shall be no forge for our practices, nor an Ostinadiel. The seven, the seven rings which we crafted together are hidden within the lower forge. You must remove them and take them through the back passage, and entrust them in the care of Durin the third who has now come to our aid. Please, and do not be waylaid. The Myrdain swiftly disappeared into the gloom of the forge, and Celebrimbor returned to the defense of the house of the Myrdain. The door was nearly disposed of. With every thud, the iron doors caved inwards, until at last a final hammering fell upon it, and the house of the Myrdain was at last exposed. However, no light showed upon the door's breaking, only a dark shrouding shadow amplified by the sinister stature of Sauron Gorthaur. In ages past, the discerning Anatar, emissary of the Valar, graced the shores of Mithlond, extolling his solution to the sovereign of Linden. Alas, his sage counsel was spurned, and his trust remained unearned. Even the Lord and Lady of Eregion rebuffed his promises and denounced his remedies. Yet Celebrimbor hearkened. Amidst the house of the Myrdain, Anatar cunningly intertwined his wares with their forges, establishing the groundwork for his might within their craft. And now... Kilabrimbor, filled with malice and deceit, turned on the one who taught him the very lore of Aule and the secrets of the Valar, imbuing the rings with the might of all powers. A selfish thief. Kilabrimbor retained the rings under his custody, even after rejecting their potency. And now, the price for his evil had to be paid.